Welcome to God's Planning, Contemplative Preachers, Contemporary Age. Each week, join the Dominican Friars as they consider all things Catholic. Welcome back to God's Planning. I'm Father Gregory Pine, joined here um, in Living Technicolor by Father Jacob Bertram Janzik and joined remotely by Father Patrick Briscoe uh, from Providence, Rhode Island. Through the magic of internet telephony. Exactly, yep. That's what it wouldn't said. be an episode of God's Planning unless we mention internet telephony like a bunch of grandpas because I know things technological and when I say I know them, I mean I don't know them. Um, so it's a pleasure to uh, you know have this time and to uh, share this week's Sunday Lectio as we meditate on the readings in preparation to make fruitful and worthy spiritual communion so that the Lord in his generosity can continue to bless us with all the graces that he has in store. Uh, so we are uh, celebrating the Sunday Good Shepherd Sunday, uh, the fourth Sunday of Easter. We're coming up on about halfway through the Easter season, which is staggering. Uh, it feels like it was Easter Sunday yesterday, and here we are, already a full three-plus weeks into Easter, looking towards Pentecost. And um, yeah, in anticipation of the sending of the Holy Spirit, uh, and anticipation of the kind of complete, completion of the Paschal Mystery, we have this Sunday to meditate on the Lord as the Good Shepherd. So without further ado, we'll just kind of launch into things as Father Patrick leads us in the opening collect. Almighty ever-living God, lead us to a share in the joys of heaven so that the humble flock may reach where the brave shepherd has gone before, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Okay. So our first reading, we have Father Jacob Bertrand to read. All right. Uh, a reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and proclaimed, Let the whole house of Israel know for certain that God has made both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they asked Peter and the other apostles, What are we to do, my brothers? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is made to you and to your children and to all those far off, whomever the Lord our God will call. He testified with many other arguments and was exhorting them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 persons were added that day. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There are a few things, um, and I think any of us can point to them, things that have been said to us that have pierced our deepest selves, right? Um, and that's what happens today when Peter is speaking, when he's speaking to the crowd and he's talking to them about um, everything that Christ has undergone and revealing how it is that Jesus fulfills all of the promises of Judaism. Uh, the people who are hearing this were, were cut to the heart, which is to say they were pierced to their very core, the deepest part of their own self, uh, the deepest part of their own very self, was um, touched by Christ. Now, only Christ can do that. Um, only Christ uh, and his gospel has the ability to affect that kind of our deepest um, being, right? When the, when the, when the Bible, when the scriptures talk about the heart, what they're talking about is, is something that's um, convertible with, with the deepest part of oneself. Um, you know, the heart is the center of the, of the eye. It's who I am. Um, and to be touched in that place 
means to have the horizon of my existence impacted, that uh, to, be, to be cut to the heart, to be pierced um, in the heart, uh, means that an encounter has happened according to which um, life has changed. And so the message that, the message that is heard when Peter is preaching um, is not just a recitation of fact, it's not, just, it's not just a list of things, it's not just a kind of abbreviated history of the life of Jesus, um, but it really is the gospel, the good news of salvation, the kind of thing which alters people in their very being. I think to Father Patrick's point, uh, the, this, this matter of being cut to the heart and this matter of conversion in the way that only Christ can do is, is most evident here in, in St. Peter, the one who is actually preaching, the one who has been um, so converted by our Lord. If we go sort of look back into the Gospels and look at Peter's um, relationship and relationship to Christ and confession of faith. Um, of course, in, in Matthew 16, you have the great confession of Peter. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Um, but immediately after, uh, he's rebuked when he tries to deny Christ uh, the crucifixion. But even if we look at Peter's interactions, we can think of um, Peter walking out onto the water to meet our Lord, but then quickly sinking. We can think of Peter's denial of Christ. We can think of his arrival at the empty tomb. And John tells us that that the, the beloved disciple is the first to believe. You know, as, as Peter comes along to this point, we can see him being converted more and more. In the scene at, at the shore with, with our Lord at the end of the Gospel of John, the, the, the three questions of Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? You know, this sort of beckoning, this awakening, this growth in faith. And, and here we have the words, for certain, um, that for certain, that God has made both Lord and Christ this Jesus. It's weeks after Easter, but um, and weeks and years that Peter has known Christ. But we finally arrive in the fullness of the resurrection, at the fullness of um, of Peter's faith and certainty, in a sense that this is indeed the Christ. This is indeed the Lord who will save us from our sins, who is the fulfillment of prophecy, who is the fulfillment of all of all that He's promised. There's certainty here, and it's kind of great to rejoice in that Easter certainty with, with Peter, to take consolation and strength in that. So I'm struck by um, the words with which he leads are the words with which St. John the Baptist leads and the Lord Jesus leads in the Gospel of Matthew, namely repent. Um, and so the word, you know, you've all heard the word, it's metanoia, which means like basically beyond thought or like to kind of think beyond as it were. And um, I had an experience today that kind of shed light for me on what this entails. So somebody asked me a question. Well, I was talking to the other Dominican friar who works in the Thomistic Institute, the director, Father Dominic, and he was asking if we should hold on to this piece of like video equipment that we had acquired for live streaming things, um, which piece of equipment we were using for a time, but are not using anymore because we found a workaround. And then we could potentially return it to the place, but dot, dot, dot. The details aren't especially important, he says, after having describing all of them. Um, <laughs> Uh, but he asked me like, he asked me like, Hey, is there, can you think of like a potential use that we'll have for this? And I was like, no, I can't think of a potential use that we'll have for this because I don't even know what this thing is. <laughs> like, um, I, I, I basically understand how we used it in our setup. I now understand that we no longer need to use it. And I suppose I could do some research on what this thing is used for and then envision whether or not we could potentially put it to use in such fashion. But like, I'm not going to do that. So like, I don't have the imagination. I don't have 
the moral imagination to conceive of a set of circumstances in which this thing could be fruitfully deployed. And so I don't want it. But I think that like, we basically occupy this position with respect to the Lord Jesus until such time as he makes himself known. Like we don't know what we want. We don't know what makes us happy. We're like, yeah, I think that I want to lounge on the couch and eat checks muddy buddies and avoid work and then die. You know, that sounds like a pretty good life. And then the Lord comes crashing into your life, whether by the preaching of St. Peter or by some other means in the 21st century. And then you realize, one, that this thing that has been described to you is what you have wanted all along, but you didn't recognize it until such time as was proposed in these terms. And two, you now have the imagination to conceive of it. This is like just what we mean by repentance, to think beyond, you know, the kind of like checks, you know, like Muddy Buddy's trough that your nose is currently buried in. This is all autobiographical, so don't feel like I'm judging you. Um, <laughs> right? And to, to conceive of something beyond what is immediately before us that could be, you know, soul-expanding and life-giving. And so, it's, yeah, there's just like such a power and such a potency in his preaching because it echoes the preaching of John the Baptist. It echoes the preaching of the Lord Jesus, but it effectively communicates this encounter, which Father Patrick was describing. So, with that, let's go ahead and turn to the second reading as Father Patrick reads for us. A reading from the first letter of St. Peter. Beloved, if you are patient when you suffer for doing what is good, this is a grace before God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was insulted, he returned no insult. When he suffered, he did not threaten. Instead, he handed himself over to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body upon the cross, so that free from sin, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you had gone astray like sheep, but you have now returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. So in this passage, obviously we have, um, you know, some good shepherd themes emerging, and that's purposefully done, obviously, to connect this with the gospel. Um, but I want to just comment or remark on uh, this line here that um, he left you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. So during this time, you know, at the end of Lent, the beginning of Easter, we're thinking a lot about the Paschal mystery, the Lord's suffering, death, his rising from the dead, his ascending to heaven. And when we think about salvation, what it means to say that the Lord Jesus saved us, we often turn to this point in salvation history. We turn to this point in his life uh, because salvation is present in peculiar fashion he says in vague terms, um, because this is the act that definitively accomplishes our salvation. But here we have the sense from this passage that salvation, it kind of spills over the bounds of the Paschal mystery. It's not contained uh, in the Lord's suffering, death, rising, and ascending. It's something that's characteristic of his entire life. So he left you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. So there are you know plenty of ways that we talk about the way in which the Lord saves us, but this uh, is an especially beautiful one, namely that the Lord adopted a manner of life that was imitable, or uh, to use other terms, that is followable. It's a manner of life that we are called to share in, to participate in. Um, it's a form of life that we're called to adopt. And so it's like um, the Lord Jesus goes before us, right? He presents our humanity in the sanctuary on high. He makes for us a pleasing sacrifice. He merits our salvation, but ultimately so that we can experience that salvation in our own members, in our own flesh. Um, 
And it's a salvation that we partake in by looking to his example. And so, you know, he goes through uh, the, the inspired author, St. Peter goes through the different uh, events in the course of the Lord's, you know, suffering and death and rising from the dead. But, but this notion of following in his footsteps extends to, you know, the manner of his life, his teaching, his miracles, uh, the way that he shared uh, a peculiar like friendship with the apostles. All of these things are part of what it means for us to be saved. Um, it's part of the story of salvation into which we are incorporated and that we can participate by virtue of our baptism and sacramental life. It's very interesting how much this letter of St. Peter, to me, sounds like the prophet Isaiah, right? Like this could be, this could be just the crib notes of the beautiful suffering servant passages. Um, when insulted, he returned no insult. When he suffered, he did not threaten. He handed himself over to the one who judges justly. Uh, like the lamb led to the slaughter. And, and, and all, all of these things uh, are depictions for us of, of Christ's meekness, of his gentleness, um, of his humility, of his willingness um, to suffer for our sake. Even though that is the most, um, even though that's the height of the gospel, right? Perhaps the most defining attribute of the life of Jesus in Nazareth, that he, that he was willing to die for the sins of the many. Um, that, the, that the one just man would suffer for all who are unjust, even though this is perhaps the defining feature of Christianity, um, it is undoubtedly the most difficult <laughs> to actually to actually not return insult when insulted, to actually uh, suffer and not threaten, to actually hand oneself over um, to those who judge unjustly. Um, uh, this and more. Um, this and more. Re requires um, just a conformity with Christ because at the end Christ is the only one who can who can live this way and only someone living in conformity with Christ only someone um, whose heart Christ is reigning in can dare to follow that path as as the readings have progressed from Acts of the Apostles and the and Peter's exhortation of repentance and conversion and these sorts of things and as we get to now into the second reading anticipating the Good Shepherd discourse um, in the gospel, this we're sort of brought along the steps of conversion uh, along the way, right? So first reading, as I just said, we're called to repent, to recognize that Christ is, is God and man who has saved us, who died for us, who saved us, who's through baptism, we receive the forgiveness of sins and, and this invitation to share in his divine life, to be friends of friends of our Lord. And then as we're getting ready to get into the Good Shepherd discourse, we have Peter and his father, Father Patrick was saying this sort of beautiful sort of summary of, of the suffering servant. Um, I think all of this serves in a way to kind of reorient our thinking towards um, life in Christ. When you, when you read St. Paul through his letters, there's, there's often this, this dichotomy or this fight between the things of this world and, and the spirit and, and living in the spirit and living in Christ and um, trying to, St. Paul is repeatedly trying to get the Christians, the disciples, to think not in terms of the, of our earthly existence, but in terms of the heavenly existence, our heavenly home for which we are being prepared now and that to which we are being led. And I think Peter's doing this here too. Um, he's, he's showing us that, yeah, it is strange that um, Christ returned no insult, as Father Patrick said, that Christ didn't threaten when he was suffered. As Christ said to Pontius Pilate, if his kingdom were of this world, he would um, there would be many who would come to save him from the fate that that awaits him. But our Lord's kingdom is not of this world. 
Uh, we can think too here of the Beatitudes. These reorient the Christian mind such that we are pointed at Christ, such that we're able to follow Christ. Uh, I love the, there's an, a, a sort of way of translating um, our Lord's call to the disciples from, if you look at sort of the, the, the literal translation from the Greek, you know, come at, come after me or come follow me, is is it conveys the sense rather than a sort of just like, hey, come with me, but rather get behind me and go where I'm going, you know, follow immediately in my footsteps and sort of let me take the lead. And we have this whole idea of this, um, here's the life that our Lord gives us. Here's the life that he calls us to. We know now that he's, that he's risen from the dead, that he offers the grace to pursue him. And it's in his strength. It's in virtue of his wounds that we're able to, to follow behind him. Um, and, and we're beginning, as the weeks of Easter go on, to see, I mean, we saw in the fullness of the resurrection, but are seeing more and more now, where that leads to, to life with him and, and life in him, a life that's not constrained here um, in the here now of this world, but one that leads to, to life, in, life in the spirit and a life in Christ. Yeah. Boom. Okay, about to round out the scoring as we turn now to the gospel. So the gospel being taken from John chapter 10. Jesus said, Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever does not enter a sheepfold through the gate, but climbs over elsewhere is a thief and a robber. But whoever enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him and the sheep hear his voice as the shepherd calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has driven out all his own, he walks ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they recognize his voice but they will not follow a stranger. They will run away from him because they do not recognize the voice of strangers. Although Jesus used this figure of speech, the Pharisees did not realize what he was trying to tell them. So Jesus said again, Amen, amen, I say to you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and slaughter and destroy. I came so that they might have life and have it more abundantly. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to, Lord to you, Jesus Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. The, uh, this passage from, from John, one that includes one of the seven I am sayings, is um, I guess one of the, the, not the stranger ones, but one of the more unique ones, when our Lord says, I am the gate, um, we're kind of left wondering or thinking like, that's kind of interesting. I get, I am the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, I'm the good shepherd, I am the light of the world. These, like, it's like, okay, these are within kind of the, the realms of sort of divine revelation, but then I am the gate. I mean, I just kind of think of like a sheep gate. It doesn't really inspire kind of <laughs> heavenly kind of like you know, life-changing things, but, um, but all the same, um, it, it's, it's of a piece, right? That it is only through our Lord. And I would say, especially in this time of the resurrection, only through the wounds of our Lord, um, that we, that we are able to follow, uh, to follow him to, to that heavenly reward, um, that we, that we've spoken about. And I think even more sort of, um, I guess, timely or appropriate um, than kind of just thinking of a heavenly reward that's off in the distance and kind of remote is, is what the last line of the gospel tells us. I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. 
certainly that's a promise of heaven, you know, complete fulfillment, but that's also a promise for us here and now. Uh, it's, it's like what Father Gregory was talking about with that equipment that, like, you know, unless you know what something is or what something is used for, you can't really assess um, sort of the state of it. Uh, so often, I think when we look at our lives um, or even the lives of other people where we're sort of caught by, by our own kind of mediocre expectations of what happiness and what joy and what fulfillment mean. And until that world is sort of rocked, until we're kind of called out of that to say and realize that, wait, there, there is more weight that this, this suffering of mine, um, someone else has endured it, you know, our Lord, as Peter said in the second reading. Um, so it's, and it's not simply a matter of being endured. You know, I'm certainly not alone in the suffering, but my suffering has meaning. Um, or the way in which I love myself or love other people um, is limited when we when we approach it by our own abilities and our own expectations that our Lord invites us and gives us the ability through life in him to love in ways that are beyond our own imagining. And, and that's the same. We could talk about that with respect to anything. Um, but our Lord's very particular here that it is through him and it's in him and through him alone and in him alone that we are um, able to sort of transcend the bounds of our kind of mediocre existence and be uh, wrapped up into something that is, uh, yeah, beyond our, beyond our sort of wildest hopes and expectations. Yeah, I'd like so to I guess continue to develop that. Sorry, Gregory, I want you can back you. up here. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to jump in on this. No, it's because I, because what I have to say is very similar to what Father Jacob Bergen is saying, and just to develop it a little bit further, um, to recognize that the, sh that the shepherd knows our name, um, and that we, we can recognize his voice, um, but the sheep don't have to respond to it, right? Um, so to put a little bit more flesh on this, uh, my brother-in-law raises sheep. Uh, oh, yeah, he's about to get caught up big time here. Um, and Doesn't he it sell them on Craigslist, too? He does, yeah. They're okay. meat sheep, yeah. as I'm fond of saying. I'm sheep <laughs> meat. Um, the, you know, that's what you do with animals. Um, they're not just pets, they're food. So, <laughs> sell them on Craigslist. What do you do with animals? So he, so he has his sheep, and um, it was a great surprise uh, one spring for him to discover that uh, this one ewe was in fact pregnant. Uh, so he had not noticed this at all, and uh, not only did he discover that she was pregnant, but he discovered the two baby lambs that had been birthed by this ewe in the middle of the night. And so, so he wanders out to the shed and finds, oh, there are two... Uh, there are two babies here nursing at this you. Oh, that's interesting. That must have happened there. So the point here to make is that um, Christ is not a shepherd the way that my brother-in-law is a shepherd. <laughs> Christ, mm, that's good. Christ isn't surprised by any of the data of our lives, right? Christ, Christ, Christ knows everything about us. Um, Christ knows the name of the sheep. He knows that there are sheep. He knows that they're lambs. He's not, um, he's not wandering around the sheepfold and, um, and sort of surprised to find us. And no, the, the Lord knows us. He knows our name. He knows what will satisfy us. He calls us by name and invites us to him. And this is where we as the sheep, um, this is where we as, we as the sheep need to step into what the Lord is presenting to us uh, because we can refuse to hear his voice. We can ignore it, right? Um, we can refuse the invitation that he's given um, because God doesn't force our will. He simply presents, as, as Father Jake Bergen was saying, uh, uh, many beautiful things which we can encounter, which transform the rest of our lives, yada, yada, blah, 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 all things good about the gospel. Um, 
but we don't have to respond to it. When you put it like that, I can see, yeah. <laughs> I know, isn't that, I mean, no need to praise my eloquence. But... <laughs> uh, okay, my, fi my final thought on this. Now you, now you may speak. Oh, thank you. I feel yes, blessed yeah. in, your, in your acquiescence. Okay. Um, uh, let's see. So my thought was to build off what Father Jacob Bertram was saying with respect to having life and having it more abundantly. I think that sometimes, okay, thesis statement. We expect too much out of life. We also expect too little out of life because I think that we envision life to be other than it is. So some people think of life as like a resort um, <clears throat> and then they're disappointed to find that the resort does not have all the amenities which they had hoped it might have. Like, this is very difficult, you know, like I was expecting, like, I'm Christian, you know, like, so like the Lord loves me, so he's going to take care of everything I need. But, um, you know, I've seen like a little bit of a hit in my portfolio recently and um, got this problem with like a persistent, you know, ingrown toenail. Yes, I was hoping for that reaction. Yeah, um, exactly. Uh, you know, it's just like, what the heck? You know, I thought I signed up for the good life here. Okay, so that's the resort theme. And then there are other people like me. Uh, who think of, you know, the world as basically a prison. Like you just come here basically to be punished for all the sins that you might think about committing. And then eventually like the Lord releases you as he, you know, extinguishes the smoldering wick of your very, very ignominious life. Um, okay. So I think, yeah, exactly. Grim picture, Father Gregory. Um, what kind of literature are you reading these days? Um, so I think that what we have is, is not a resort, nor is it a, a prison. It's something more like an athletic facility, you know, like a kind of, it's a place where one trains. Um, now, for some people, thinking about it as an athletic facility might actually be worse than thinking about it as a prison. So I put this forward as an athletic facility that doesn't smell bad, okay? But, um, but in the sense that, like, we're here to train for heaven. So if it is the case that heaven is as it is described, right? So a place where you have God, you are possessed by him, and you possess him uh, with a kind of perfect uh, and simultaneous embrace, whereby you fear not loss or diminishment, but I, I like kind of firing on all cylinders in the way in which you had hoped possible, but had never fully experienced. If that's the case, then this life should be the proximate preparation for that. And that heaven should kind of spill in um, to our experience of the present life. So um, that's like, you know, what we would mean by the hundredfold. It's not that like you get all the bonbons, right? And uh, everything goes well and swimmingly, but rather that you have a foretaste of the glory that lies in store. And so when the Lord said, like, you know, I came so that they might have life and have it more abundantly, we're still sheep, right? <clears throat> and uh, we still need goading. We still need leading. We still need disciplining. Because left to our own devices, we don't have the moral imagination to conceive of the good, uh, nor do we have the discipline, uh, the wherewithal, to pursue it with any modicum of facility. So it means, you know, to follow in his footsteps in the, in the kind of disciplined sense of that. Um, so, yes, that's, that's just... Uh, a small thought, but go for it. I was just going to add one more too. I'm jumping back in. I'm, I'm ready. This is, this is not how we usually roll, but it's the fourth week of Easter. So it feels well, right. Uh, I think one of the things that I, that um, I, I really think is kind of speaks to me in this, in this gospel and thinking about the way in which we're called to follow our Lord and the way in which, um, the, as Father Patrick was saying, that the that the Good Shepherd knows our voice is that it's not, I think, not something that is that that call, that call from the sort of displaced expectations, whether they be overabundant or sort of 
overly pessimistic, whatever they are, that voice is not something that's foreign to us, but something for which our hearts are made. Um, and our, our life is, our life as disciples is, is sort of that, that training to be able to hear it better. Um, not, yeah, not as something foreign or distasteful or something that's un, unheard or un, unable to be heard, but something we're really meant to hear from the, the sort of the, the very foundations of our hearts, that, that the voice of our Lord calls us um, at our very core. Uh, and it's something that um, we simply have to kind of tune into a little bit and a little bit more and a little bit more. Um, and that should be something reassuring to all of us that sort of despite where we find ourselves in our spiritual life or in whatever sort of state that our, the, the shepherd still calls, especially he calls for the lost sheep and he searches for those who are lost to bring them back into the fold. And um, though it, it, the road may be kind of tortuous or scary or like bumpy or windy or whatever, um, that voice still echoes in, in the very fiber of our beings and something that ought to give us comfort, I think. Okay. So we're about out of time uh, as we wrap up this uh, Sunday's Lexio. Uh, but Father Patrick, you want to give us just uh, a couple thoughts about things at Alatea, things at Providence College, things at St. Pius, anything that's especially exciting you want to recount? Yeah. Um, so please continue to, um, be readers of Alatea. Um, we've had uh, some gangbuster months, you kind know, of as people looking for consolations, we're a reliable news source. We focus on uplifting and encouraging news, and we've had some really great stories this week. Um, so check us out. You can find God's Planning on Alatea as well. Um, every Sunday, I publish a homily there, and um, you'll start seeing more and more Dominican voices there. Um, so that's a great place to go for content that, uh, that will feed you as the rest of the news continues to burn you out. Um, otherwise things continue apace and a parish without people is a, di is a difficult place to serve uh, and, um, and at Providence College we're rounding the bend here um, creating papers and getting everything ready towards the end of the semester so that's a little snippet of my life at the present moment mm. Brother Jacob Bertrand anything new wild exciting in the vocation office not terribly new while they're exciting, but we are, we're, we're sort of getting to the end of our application season, wrapping up uh, things in the coming weeks, coming month or so for the, for the new class that will be um, starting out the novitiate in, in the middle of the summer or towards the end of the summer. So um, at least pray for them, pray for the men as they prepare, pray for me as we kind of get through this time. And uh, yeah, pray for vocations in general. This is a time in the church that uh, even though we're kind of in, strange, strange lands. I mean, the Lord is still working. The Lord is still calling men to serve him and mm -hmm. uh, at his altar to lay down their lives for the sake of his church. So pray for men to have the courage and to answer that call. Dig. And then Smithsonian Institute stuff. Uh, let's see. We have Aquinas 101 continues to come out with a new video each Monday. So we're uh, starting the videos on grace. Uh, we've had two videos on law, law in general, and natural law, both of which were excellent. And now we're going to have three videos on grace before we turn to the virtues. So yeah, we're actually we're like two thirds through the projected 86, 87 videos for Aquinas 101. So you can hop on that if you haven't yet or continue to keep up with it if you have. And then we have quarantine lectures that continue to come out Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So we have um, this upcoming week on Tuesday night, Father Dominic Legg speaking on the Trinity. On Thursday night, I'm speaking on original sin and I don't actually know uh, yet what we have scheduled for Wednesday, but if I did know, I'd tell you, seeing as I don't, I shan't. Uh, 
Um, so with that, we're going to wrap up with the collect uh, for the prayer after communion for this Sunday's Mass. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Look upon your flock, kind shepherd, and be pleased to settle in eternal pastures the sheep you have redeemed by the precious blood of your Son, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thanks so much for having joined us on this episode of God's Planning. We ask that you share this with friends, share it with enemies too. You know, you can inflict it on them as a punishment, but you know, maybe friends are better. Uh, and uh, yeah, please spread it around to those whom you think would be encouraged, those whom you think would benefit from it. So our prayers are for you. Uh, we ask that you pray for us. We'll catch you next time on God's Planning. God bless. Thanks for listening to God's Planning a work of the Dominican Friars of the Province of St. Joseph. Visit us at opeast.org.